Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you worry? Jesus asked us last week. A disciple of Jesus trusts the Father's care. You don't need to be anxious. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Well, that's all well and good when things are all well and good. But then it's all put to the test. A virus, an election, a bad meeting. Something happens and the anxiety comes rushing in. Sleepless nights, stressful days. Underlying it all is a fear we rarely name. Yet security systems, face masks, rising firearm sales, all reveal the omnipresent anxiety. Death is a monster to be kept at bay. The widow of Zarephath is no stranger to the beast. She'd been to the tombs before with her husband's body. We heard last week how she had been on the brink of starvation, measuring out the last of her flour and the last of her oil to bake one final cake of bread. She knows an anxiety we cannot fathom. Now the enemy is struck again. In her arms she clutches the breathless body of her only son. In another time, another place, there is another woman. She too has been to the tombs with her husband's corpse. The last remnant of their union, their only son, has just been cut down in the prime of life. The funeral bier proceeds relentlessly to the sepulcher. The soil of this accursed world is ever hungry to swallow another corpse. The widow of Nain was helpless to prevent it. On the way to the tombs, did she think about the last time she had been there? And the vows she had made with her son's father? Till death us do part. Are the words ever really understood when pledged? They come out of an unreal, impossible future. Yet whether the marriage lasts five years or fifty, death will part them. But the son, he's supposed to outlive his mother. None of this do we want to face. Someone else's death is merely a traffic problem, and we wonder why Waze or Apple Maps didn't route us around it. In the carpeted, saccharine houses of death, flowers mask the stench, and cosmetics cloak the pallor of corruption. Why do we waste the little time we have in this life on frivolous pursuits? Why is prayer and reading God's word a chore we struggle to fit in? The 90th Psalm reminds us how swiftly pass the years. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger. After reflection on how soon our life ends, the psalm gives a lesson and a prayer for us to pray. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? 
even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. So here's the sequence of the psalm. Death should make us consider God's wrath over sin. And that should turn our hearts to wisdom, to God's word. And then there is a prayer for God to return and, this is the hard part, for God to repent. That seems to make no sense until you remember that repent means to turn and have a change of heart. Modern translations will render it have compassion. That's not the meaning of the term, but that's the idea. Stop with the wrath and come with your grace. So that's our prayer. Death is coming. It's the wages of sin. But have compassion on us, you who formed us out of clay. And that's why Jesus arrives on the scene, both in general, God enters the world in the incarnation, and in specific, God comes to the widow of Nain. It probably seems too late. That's how the sisters of Lazarus reacted when Jesus finally got there. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In those words is an accusation. You don't care. You don't show up on time. You're not fulfilling the promise of you. But Jesus is never late. He arrives at precisely the right time. Last week, Jesus said, do not worry. And today he says, do not weep. When we say that, it's well-meaning, but it's bereft of power. When our Lord speaks, however, he is capable of removing the cause of the weeping. In the woman are fulfilled the words of today's intro it from Psalm 86. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. In Jesus is the grace for which she cries. Dr. Luther described the doctrine of justification as a happy exchange. Christ takes our sin and we get his righteousness. And And today, Jesus demonstrates this happy exchange in action. Touching the bier, the platform that carries the dead body to the tomb, touching the bier, he halts the funeral procession in its tracks. This action makes him ritually unclean. It's inappropriate, it's shocking, it's scandalous. But for Jesus, it's no mere symbolic action. It's very real. This boy's death, Jesus takes to himself. It becomes his death. And Jesus' life becomes this boy's life. This this is the happy exchange in action. The ultimate result will be the same scene for every Christian, the resurrection of the body. And that's the big story. The smaller story is the particular problem of this son's death. The dead son was the last remaining male who in that culture could care for her and provide for her economically. Here we see that Jesus loves particularly the most helpless, the most desperate. Last Sunday, Jesus' words were for the anxious, do not worry. Today, Jesus' action is for the downtrodden and despairing. And in all things, we see that the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Think about those words from the epistle. He's able to do 
more than what we ask or even think. Our prayers are too small. We don't ask for enough. He's able to do far more than what we ask. So do not worry, for Christ is risen, and he says to us in all our troubles and sorrows, do not weep. Christ is risen, and he stops death in its tracks. Christ is risen, and he will answer you in the day of your trouble. Christ is risen, and he will deliver you from the depths of Sheol. Christ is risen, and little boys are given back to their mothers. Christ is risen, and sins are blotted out. Christ is risen, and your past is remembered no more. Christ is risen, and he bids that dogma live loudly within us. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of God that transcends all human understanding. Keep and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.